Support Black Podcast. Slip on a red shirt and beam aboard the USS Internet for all things Trek. The Red Shirts Podcast, available on redshirtspodcast.lipson.com, where three cool guys aren't afraid to don the dreaded Star Trek red and let it all hang out. Join Craig, Q Storm, and Big Sexy for anything and everything involving the world of Star Trek. Check them out on iTunes. Check them out on Stitcher Radio. Check them out where you find podcasts. The Red Shirt Podcast. Remember, support Black Podcast. Once again to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. I am your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on G-Town Radio. And I am joined as always by... Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And tonight, on this episode... Tonight, tonight, (sighs) won't be just any night. We begin... Mother May. May. I have another. A month in which we will watch films that aren't good. Well, critics say aren't good. We will watch films that critics say aren't good, and then we'll see whether or not the two of us agree they are good. And and we are we're 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 starting with with we're, we're, we're starting with the mother load. We're, we're starting we're, with a doozy. We're, we're starting with, <laughs> with you know, perhaps the most ridiculed black film of all time. Oh, no, wait a minute. What is ridiculed more than Soul Plane? Soul Plane starring uh, Kevin Hart, Snoop Dogg, Method Man, Monique, Tom Arnold. Extended cameo by D.L. Hughley. Sophia Vergara. Sophia Vergara. What Terry Crews, like what film is is more of a punchline than Soul Plane? Last Dragon? <laughs> no, it isn't. No, not Last Dragon. But before we get into its standing. I have to, I have to marinate on that. You marinate all you want. <laughs> I have to marinate on that. <laughs> before we get into that, we are going to touch on the feedback that we have gotten from each and every one of you that writes us at Mission at gmail.com and also likes and follows us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well at Mission. Uh, in the emails, we received an email from a Maurice Poplar. What's up, Maurice? Talking about a possible podcast collaboration. All right. Hey, fellas, hope you're well. I went to a concert last night and ran into Morgan Rhodes from the Heat Rocks podcast, one of the too many podcasts I listened to. And she was mentioning that they haven't had anyone do a sound ch- a soundtrack yet. 
Of course, the co-captains of the show mission immediately came to mind. I hit them up, y'all. Y'all have done a couple of films you've circled the rabbit hole on, and don't True. get me started on the soundtrack. True. Obviously, you won't be doing House Party. <laughs> Point. But I'm sure you're, you two wallflowers could talk for 30 minutes about a fire soundtrack and cross-pollinate it with a maximum fun show. All right. Keep up the good work. Maurice Poplar. All right. Well, thank you, Maurice. Yeah, we're going to have Looking to reach out for us. Thank you. So we'll have to reach out to Morgan Rhodes. Yes, yes. And see if we can't make that happen for Maurice. That sounds like an excellent idea. I like that. I like that very much. We have kind of like talked about. Yeah. That. It has been quietly busy. Yeah. Like it's been quietly busy. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't promise to get any. Yeah, like a couple busy. of things have slipped. Yeah. So, off of our radar. So we'll try. We'll try. Right, right. We'll try. Um, Aaron Fry. Hey, what's up, Aaron? Wrote us an email about Tina Turner. Uh-uh. In Mad Max Beyond Thunder Road. Thunderdome. Thunderdome, excuse me. We don't need another hero. The Tina Turner character, Auntie Entity, yeah. was really a missed opportunity. She wasn't a villain, just a leader yes. trying to keep the lights on in Bartertown. Auntie Entity deserved her own spin-off series. I agree. I agree. I think the I think the secret to Mad Max is that the character Mad Max is always the least interesting character mm. in the films. Like, mm. everyone around him is more interesting. But I think that's by design. Yeah, I can believe that. So, you know, much like we're talking about Furiosa, which, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen because I think it's a whole lot of litigation going on with Fury Road. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a whole lot of George Miller and the, and the, the movie company, and it's going back and forth. It looks like it's a mess. Okay. But yeah, I'd love to see an um, Auntie Entity spinoff. How do you feel about the Mad Max movies, Lynn? Oh, you're barking up the wrong tree here, Vince. I saw the first Mad Max. I'll say, I didn't, I didn't know if you were Mad Max years dude. ago. Yeah. Not long after it first came out. Um, and uh, there were two Mad Max. Movies. Road Warrior and then uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And then Fury Road from a couple of years ago. Okay. I didn't, I never saw Beyond Thunderdome. Okay. Because the first one just didn't interest me enough. Okay. Um, that I cared about the second one. The, the one from a few years ago looked visually stunning. It, yeah. Um, that I was interested in seeing it. And the first time watching it, I said, like, this is kind of cool. Right, right. Just to circle back. So you didn't see Road Warrior or Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. No, I saw the first one. Right, you know, which was World War. No, the first one was Mad Max. Oh, yeah, there oh. were three of them with. Um, oh, then, then no, I never saw Road with. Warrior um, what's what's my man's name? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah, there were three with with Mel Gibson. Okay, no, then I only saw the first one. You only saw Mad Max. Yes, okay, and I never saw the rest. I didn't care. Okay, but the 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 remake, I guess, more or less. Right, right, or uh, the the continuation of the series. I, okay, yeah, because yeah. I think it was supposed to be yeah. like a continuation. I saw. And while I thought the story was very slight, because they basically drive one oh, yeah. point it's, and it's then turn chain, around yeah, and go back to the other place, uh-huh. the, the special effects 
especially when you consider that almost all of them were all practical. Yes. Were freaking amazing. Yeah. And make it worth watching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I I enjoyed it on that aspect. And I enjoyed Charlie's Theron in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. I'm a Tom Hardy fan, but, you know, like you say, he's not doing anything. No. Any real heavy lifting in that movie. But Charlie's Theron is, is getting into it. Um, so I can't speak about Auntie Entity. I'll right, take your, right. your guys' words for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Mad Max fan, so. Oh, oh well. Yeah. Uh, Robert Monroe wrote us. What's up, Robert? He saw the new Incredibles 2 trailer before Avengers Infinity War last night. As we talked about, y'all just gonna keep making me sigh really heavily. We talked about, about that this. last on the last show. Yeah, yeah, that that conversation got a little heated. It did. Once again, Frozone's wife is the overbearing, loud, brass, physically invisible black woman used as some form of comedic relief. I seriously doubt that anyone at Pixar, anyone else's, anyone anywhere else in Hollywood would ever create a similar depiction of an overbearing Jewish American woman getting loud with her Shamil of a husband in an animated film geared towards children. It was bad enough in the first movie when I didn't know it was in there. Now that it's a featured part of the trailer and I'm aware they can miss, miss me with this bullish. Yeah. Yeah. Much like we said before, when we talked about this, I'd rather not talk about this. <laughs> because yeah okay really what i'm hoping you and i'm gonna keep saying it like i I really hope nobody pushes brad bird about this because he gonna say something and force my hand and then you're not gonna be and able then to I'm, watch right so i just need too. i just need everybody to just be real quiet he brings it up i don't think we mentioned you've seen infinity war I did. We didn't talk, it, um, because you hadn't seen it. Right, 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 right. So, what, real quick, what oh, were you come on, on stop! It, I mean, come on. Did you enjoy it's, it? It 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 was amazing. It was it was it was phenomenal. It was. I mean, this isn't really saying much for me because I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. But it's it was Empire Strikes Back level. It was like it really was, and. I don't know if I've been in a genre film, like a science fiction film, since we were kids Mm -hmm. and saw Empire Strike Back. Mm -hmm. Where at the end of the film, it was silent. Like it hit you like Like it really was like, yeah, Yeah. it was, you you Mm -hmm. know. And and you know not for nothing you and I are old enough and I had to have like I had to have an actual conversation with my daughter on the way home about intellectual property mm-hmm. and the way corporations work <laughs> and, and don't worry oh wow because like, she was she was right worried. like she like lost it. right right like understand that we talking about billion dollar properties mm-hmm. nobody is really taking them off the board mm-hmm. like you know because and I have friends who had to have those conversations with their kids where yeah. you know. These kids are in tears because it's one thing. Because you have to, you know, I mean, you know, the, the Empire we're Strikes Back. Trying not to spoil it. Yeah, we're not yeah. going to spoil it. But Empire Strikes Back has been out there in so many different iterations, right? Yeah, but it's it's one thing to watch that on your TV, exactly. And you, especially nowadays, when it's on your TV or if you're watching it digitally, right? You, it's almost always followed by, right? Or you can easily follow it by Jedi. 
the return right, of the right, Jedi. Just, right, just put on the next one. Yes. So there are there is a, a generation of 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 adults. Really and really two generations. Really, how about that? Yeah. It's really two generations that have never gone to the movies, sat in the dark, settled in, paid money, got all your your popcorn and your pretzels and your soda and everything, and gotten into a movie and had that gut punch. Had that gut punch. Happen. And then the credits roll. And then, and then it's credits. And then there's an... But because of this, the, this movie... There's an after credit scene, and then the after credit scene is just an uppercut. Right. You know what right. I mean? So they don't know that life. Yeah. They don't know. I mean, and you're talking, you had to tell your, your daughter about intellectual properties and everything like that. The thing that these people these people know is that they don't know what's going to happen, but they do know that there's another movie coming. Right. In another year. Right. They don't know what's going to happen. Right. But they know there's another movie coming in another year. When you saw Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. All bets were off. You did not know. Yeah, all bets were off. You were like, what? Right. <laughs> yeah. Hold, hold the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a whole. But but it really is. And, and really, you know, the more. I mean, for every for all the sort of hipster backlash, the Marvel films have been getting over the past three four years and you and i've talked about it how a lot of them are just sort of pieces of the puzzle and Mm -hmm. really just like it really is a master class in continuous storytelling like from film to film and a film like infinity war paid off on so many relationships well that's true and so many you you know it's like it it established all of these characters and then to throw them together in a way where they interact with one another Mm -hmm. was fresh and new in a way that it hasn't been since the first avengers okay like just these combinations Mm -hmm. and and it was just I, i mean it was just really really well done i mean just again just on the level of of sort of genre craft what it was a master class really of though was of taking your mainstream comic book properties and universe and translating the the aesthetic the characters and the storytelling um ways to another medium mm. in that it's a master class and in that and by that i mean when, when i say mainstream there are other movies that were adapted from comics that i think singularly are better movies than anything marvel has put out okay you know what i mean the first one that comes to my mind is the road to perdition which a lot of people don't know is right 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 but 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 like you but, said but, it's but, based it, on a comic book but it's not like right. how we think about exactly. comics and, or, here in or the general public right like it's not comics. a superhero movie right when you think of a, a comic book movie you're thinking about a superhero movie right and when you think about superhero movies the reason why you think about marvels is because marvel when you look at all of these movies they feel like a comic book. Yes. They read like a comic book and they read like one of the the greatest aspects of Marvel comics and the reason why people fell in love with Marvel comics the way that they did is because 
it does feel like a complete universe, even in a movie like Ant-Man, which I wasn't a big fan of. But there was still enough little like Easter eggs that let you know that this is happening on the same streets that Captain right. America is running across town right. to join Iron Man. And it's unapologetic. Yes. You, which you know, is what you have to Right. Be. Like, I don't want to get into it because you and I have gotten into it before. I actually had a pretty intense argument with two of my friends two nights ago about this. But, you know, this has always been my my bone of contention with the Chris Nolan Batman movies. Okay. Like, he, it always feels like he's too cool for school mm-hmm. with these Batman movies. And he's, like, I call them begrudgingly Batman movies. Right. Okay. And, and you know, okay. and part of it is because it because I have to make sure that you take me seriously as a filmmaker, even though I'm doing this dumb comic stuff, mm-hmm. there's a lack of 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 joy and wonder and wonder in the Batman films that ironically are in his other films. Like like my main like I was arguing like I said, I got into a pretty, you know, just spirited argument the other night. There is no moment in any of Chris Nolan's Batman films that are as joyful or kinetic or or filled with wonder as the scene in Inception. Okay. When well, Joseph um Gordon Levitt Gordon Levitt is flying through the hallways. Yeah. Cuz you know they're the dream within mm-hmm. the dream and it's just this beautiful sequence. Mm-hmm. Why can't I get this in a in a superhero movie? Like dude, you make superhero movies. Mhm. And you don't get the and and you know I think like you said the thing about Marvel, dude, we got talking raccoons, we got a purple dude whose chin looks like a scrotum, <laughs> we got a dude who dresses up in vulture wings, yeah, yeah, we got a a, a dude who wears a flag, right? His costume is a flag. Mm-hmm. And we aren't apologizing for it. We aren't trying to make it down to earth. We got a walking tree who says the same line. Same line over and over. And 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 it works. Yeah. You know? So I think there's a reason why, going back to the Chris Nolan Batman's, there's a reason why Batman begins is my favorite one of his because mm-hmm. I think that is the one that feels most like a comic book. Right. It feels most and there are some kind of like like because Batman maybe doesn't lend itself to like world bending ideals such as in Inception and stuff, but there are certain Batman things that you look for that are in Batman Begins that are not in The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises. Right. Um, three things come to my mind. One, when he's climbing up the the this uh, fireplace and he and you just see him standing like looking on the side of the fire that fireplace a fire escape and you see his cape just billowing as he and he's as he's standing there. That's that's an image from a comic. Right. When he calls for the bats and then he jumps down. Right. In, in the, inside Arkham Asylum. That's an image from the comics. And when at the end when he says, you know, I don't have to. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Oh, uh, uh, oh, no, not even then. When Commissioner Gordon gives him the card and says, like, yo, this, this guy, the Joker, right, right. and he jumps off the building and flies away. Th- those are comic book moments. Right. That I think that's the reason why that movie has always been my favorite. Sure. He feels most like he's bad. 
Man. And it's based on maybe the most grounded Batman story. So, True that. you know, I, th- I, I agree with you that, that that is the best of the three. But yeah, but yes. I, I very much enjoyed Infinity War. Bougie Square Society wrote us hey, about up, our Cuz? review of Harlem Nights. Harlem Nights um, review. There were two subtle, funny lines. And okay, I, and I think this is actually from the movie. Um, he's referencing after Stan Shaw says that he's going to win the fight and ask if uh, Richard Pryor's character understands. Mm-hmm. Watch Richard Pryor the whole time that he's that Stan Shaw is stuttering. And when he's finished, Richard says, well, I understand now. <laughs> it took a while, but I got it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about Richard Pryor, and I think, you, you know, we both agreed he was a fraction of himself mm-hmm. in in um, Harlem Nights. But there are moments where that timing peaks out. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 Duante Bettingfield wrote that there was a lot was of up, Duante. a lot of wasted potential, especially given the cast. The biggest issue of all is Eddie couldn't decide whether he wanted to make a comedy or a drama. There's some pretty serious violence in there, and they didn't handle that balance as well as such other films, such as uh, Pulp Fiction or The Whole Nine Yards. I agree. Um, it also says that uh, it was way too serious for long stretches combined with a lot of dark colored sets that give it a kind of joyless feeling a lot of the time. Um, and it didn't let Richard Pryor be funny. Right, right. So it, it, those are good points. Very, very good points, uh, Duante. Uh, Markham Lee. What's up, Markham? Mark, Markham's, Markham is, is a man with, with thoughts. So let's, let's break these down one by one. My usual verbose thoughts after binging on several episodes of the Michelle Mission. Right, right, right. Markham is catching up. I was listening to the After Earth episode. And funny enough, just last week, a friend of mine posted uh, the incident that Vince was referring to about Harry Belafonte and Petula Clark. Right, because I said it was Nat King Cole. Right. I knew it was one of them acceptable Negroes. (laughs) Right. There was an incident from 50 years ago. Yeah. When Petula Clark touched Harry Belafonte on national TV. And they cut the lights out. And they cut the lights out. Straight ignorant. (laughs) Um, This happened in a year after To Sir With Love came out. Well, you couldn't make that movie in the U.S. in the 60s. Um, so about binge lounge and race bending. Okay. The best argument I've come across as far as race in anime is this. What race is Marge Simpson? We all, and rightly so, see her as white, even though she's orange. Her kids seem to have head tentacles instead of hair. Ditto for anime. Japanese are created by Japanese people set in Japan. Of course, they're Japanese. Plus, when an anime character isn't Japanese or is biracial, they always call it out. And the person is often treated like an outsider. Mm. Interesting. It's a good point. Finally, the live action movie was jacked up. A Japanese woman gets injured and so they give her a white cyborg body. And she later goes to interact with her Japanese mother. That's, That's terrible. That's very terrible. Houseway. <laughs> Martin getting getting his thoughts in, ladies and gentlemen. That's 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 what he does. Um, we also shared on uh, in a Facebook group as well as on Instagram and Twitter. Luke Cage two second season man, it's on his way. Oh, um, dude, 
How good was that trailer? It was good. I do have to admit that there was a moment in the trailer that just took me out of it. Which part? Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 he took me right out of it for that split second. Right, right, right. And I was like... This guy. Really? <laughs> this guy. Uh, nothing against Stephen A. Smith, but really? I couldn't come up with somebody else. I know our girl's going to get an arm. I know our girl's going to get a robot arm! Ah! He's talking about Simone Mystic, ladies and gentlemen. Please, what Misty Knight. a world that we live in. That we know Simone and... That we know the Misty. person who plays Misty, Misty Knight. Knight. Yes, I know. I know. What a wonderful world. What a wonderful world. There wasn't enough of her in the trailer. Not enough Simone in the trailer. But, I don't like that. But she getting her arm now. Yeah, she's going to get it in. She's going to get it in. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the second season of Luke Cage coming to Netflix Dude, real soon. I'm, 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 I've seen half of an episode of the first season of the new season of Dear White People. I'm starting to feel like Lucy in the Chocolate Factory again. What do you mean? This stuff is, is loading up on me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I haven't even gotten to that because i because I, I just right because you just text us <laughs> i just caught up on Lynn, westworld Lynn text a bunch of us and said i caught up on westworld <laughs> he was so proud of himself <laughs> like he sent out a group text <laughs> i caught up on westworld fellas <laughs> i did nobody want to talk <laughs> y'all talk now y'all don't want to talk first season right Screw you guys. These violent delights will have violent ends. Mm, Yeah. Interesting. I don't kneel at the altar like you guys do, but it's a a very interesting show. I will say it is very interesting. We'll be right back after we step for these messages. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jacquees Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Okay, uh, let's see. Well, I think that's all the feedback we've gotten. Um, thanks to everybody. Hey, join the Facebook group. We're having fun yes, there, ladies yes. and gentlemen. It's, you can find us on Facebook at Michelle Mission. Oh, a couple of things. Thank you. Um, first, I think Robert posted, 
you know they're they're remastering Ganja and Hess. Oh yes, yes, they're gonna yeah they're gonna re, uh, redo it, um, cor- like you know fix it up because it's not in good condition. Right, right, and re-release it. Yes. So that is a huge thing. And then we we talked a little bit very briefly with a journalist, Michael Gonzalez, mm. who um if if you've been listening to us, we actually mentioned him when we reviewed um uptight okay like yes. we, we actually reference his writing and i'm a long time fan of his writing like like he's one of those like mid mid to late 80s you know i hate to call them hip-hop writers mm-hmm. but like that greg tate lisa jones dream hampton generation yeah like when i was writing he's actually one of the writers i looked up to oh wow like wow because you know it's like those dudes it's kind of like 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 we talk about um old comic book writers like mm-hmm. like the old you know like uh like 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 you know like give me an old comic book writer like like from the 60s roy thomas like roy thomas uh, or gardner fox gardner fox even where you talk about like these older writers read everything yeah and then they wrote comic books mm-hmm. and then current comic writers a lot of them read comics right and they write comics and like it was it's like that first generation of hip-hop writers mm-hmm who really were just straight up journalist. Yeah. And knew everything. Yeah. So like we don't film our episodes, but there's a moment like when you cuz I think you found the article that mm-hmm. Michael wrote. And when you said it, I actually kind of rolled my eyes a little bit and was like, "Of course Michael Gonzalez knew about it." <laughs> cuz he's one of these, you know, he's again just kind of knows about all kinds of stuff. So you know, we were trying to put together our schedule to kind of have him on and do some things. That would be cool. Oh, it'd be very cool. That would be it very, be very dope, cool. Man. I, I talked to him. We went back and forth on Messenger for a few minutes um, last week. Okay. So just trying to figure out schedule because, again, right. it'd be very cool. All right. So shout out to Michael Gonzalez. All right, Mike. We're coming for you, dog. Right. We're coming for you. We're coming. We're coming. Okay. So, um, like I said, I think that is basically all of the feedback that we, we, we've gotten, ladies and gentlemen. So all right. I believe that it is time. It is time. The time has come for <laughs> us to say, Mother, may I have another of one of those bad films that you have on your shelf? And tonight, she presents for us Soul Plane. Announcing. The arrival of the first airline with Soul. Welcome aboard. Thank you for choosing the Soul plane. From the time you arrive at the gate. You doing good? Yeah. You feel wonderful. Till the moment you meet the crew. Hey, Captain. At ease, ladies. We make sure you have an unforgettable flying experience. Peep out this little safety video we put together for you. Now that you got on a plane and you've been listening, you better just do as we say or you'll be missing. Sit tight and enjoy the flight. Kevin Hart. Mayday. Mayday. Tom Arnold. Oh, hey. D.L. Hughley. Damn. Sorry. Well, I guess you can't have the lightning without the thunder. Method Man. Monique. And Snoop Dogg. What the hell's going on here? Man, I'm afraid of heights. This is wonderful. I love this freaky stuff like this. This spring, the party is nonstop. Oh, no, you can't use that phone while we're on Girl, please. No, no, no. They say that to rip you off. 
play. I don't know what you got in there, but we're going to find out. You want to say something? You want to say something? Soul Plane from 2004, the storyline following a ridiculously awful flight that leads to his pet's death. Nashawn Wade, played by Kevin Hart, files a lawsuit against the airline, wins a multi-million dollar settlement. Determined to create a better flying experience, Nashawn starts his own airline, one that caters to an African-American clientele. Going into business with a tricked-out plane piloted by the smooth Captain Mac, played by Snoop Dogg. The airline hits a snag when it has a deal with the family of Elvis Hunky, played by Tom Arnold. Kevin Hart, Snoop Dogg, Tom Arnold, also Method Man, Terry Crews, D.O. Hughley, some more, Monique, and a whole menagerie <laughs> of actors and comedians directed by, I guess, because we need to say exactly who directed this, directed by Jesse Tirio and written by producer Bozinga and Chuck Wilson. Soul Plane was Lynn's choice. Lynn, how would you like to introduce the film Soul Plane to the Michelle Missionaries? I will introduce this film to you, ladies and gentlemen, um, by those who have watched this film uh, uh, and aware of this film asking you to return to me to that glorious moment in the film where we are introduced to Snoop Dogg as Captain Antoine Mack coming on to the plane uh, late. The plane should have been in the air over 20 minutes ago. Well, you know black people are always late. But he's on that CP time. That's the joke, yeah. yeah. So he's coming in late, you know, Baggy, baggy uh, gear. Right, right, right. Up, you know, braids in his hair, oversized captain's hat on top of his braids, three, three chains of clothes on a hanger over his shoulders. Gold chains. Gold chains. Gold chains. With spinners. It was spinners. Spinners, yeah, spinners. And he comes up to um, Kevin Hart's character nashawn wade nashawn who was the owner he's like yo man where you at you know oh my you know where you do what you doing it's like my cousin method man said you were supposed to be a pilot he's like yo man you know wait a minute but bro i you know i am a pilot and he proceeds to give kevin hart nashawn wade his resume yes as proof of his bona fides as a pilot as a pilot i read to you now from the resume of Antoine. <laughs> Objective. Fly big ass planes all over the world and meet fun and interesting people. Mm-hmm. Comma. You know. Get girls and shit. Yes, yes, yes. That's his Comma. Objective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Qualifications. Qualifications. That's usually good. Three years Air Force flew in Desert Storm. Okay. All right. That's a- two years bus driver. <laughs> S- 
six months shoe place. Shoe place. Shoe place. Not the shoe place. Just a, a shoe place. A shoe place. A shoe place. Okay. Yeah. That's the extent of the resume yeah. of Antoine Matt. Yeah. We learn once Kevin Hart is reviewing this over with Antoine that the three years in the Air Force flew in Desert Storm is a typo. Typo. It actually is three years in the Air Force drew drew in desert storm drew drew because he drew pictures drew not flew not flew drew because he could, would not be able to fly because he is a, afraid of heights you get it you get it you get it folks he's a pilot but he's afraid of heights afraid you, of you heights. get it do y'all get the joke imagine i'm sitting right next to you jamming my elbow into your ribs get it get it that's the joke here's the thing <laughs> If the resume stops at the resume, yeah, you've got a funny bit. Yeah, yeah. mind you, I had to pause the movie. Yeah, to, to I was really about to say. I think you may be the only person in the history <laughs> of what? movie critique who paused to read something from Soul Plane. Yeah, yeah. Well, paused it to read. It's something. not like a Reddit group <laughs> devoted. To unlocking the secrets of Soul Plane. No. Like there is like Westworld. No. So. No. It's like just you. This is not the Da Vinci Code. No, no. <laughs> it does not unopen open things. Um, But if, it's, it, if it had stopped there, we've got a funny bit. Sure. Why not? But because they continue on and then to explain the bit. Thus, you have the problem with Soul Plane. (laughs) On its surface, it's not a terrible idea for a film. Mm. Basically doing a black version of Airplane. Now, you're always going to run into trouble when you're trying to do a parody of a parody. Yes. Airplane, the movie Airplane from the 70s, is uh, heralded as a classic, but that's because it is a parody of the airport movies of the 70s, which were big, overblown disaster films. Right. So Airplane is a parody of something more serious. Therefore, it had things that it could mock. Right, right. Soul Plane... Outside of it being set on an airplane, that's really the only thing that it has in common with the movie Airplane. Mm -hmm. It's trying to be a parody of a parody, but that parody is a dumbed-down, yet still slightly intelligent uh, turn on a more serious topic. If you then do a movie that's a dumbed down version of a dumbed down movie, the only thing left for you to uh, parody is the dumbness of it because unfortunately you do not have the intelligence mm. that was in Airplane yeah. in Soul Plane at all. No place. Yeah. Nowhere. Yeah. 
shame of it being is that you do have comedians cast in this film. You do? You do? If you only let the comedians be the comedians for what little bit he does, D.L. Hughley is basically being D.L. Hughley. So yeah. there's a slight little smirk that comes from some of the right. one-liners that he gets off in this film. But he's quickly gone from the movie yeah. because it's more it's just a glorified cameo and you're left with Kevin Hart who in his acting debut is more or less playing the straight guy right Kevin Hart as we have now since learned can't play the straight guy right right and and why have we since learned that because there was soul playing because he clawed his way out of the wreckage of this he did he did God bless him. My and, God. And as he said, this film allowed him to become a national star and go on a national comedic, uh, take his comedy on a national tour. Yeah. Which is then what blew, blew him up. But other than that, there is nothing worth salvaging in this film. It is not funny. Mm. It is not. Um, the actors are. They're not, they don't even look like they're having fun. Yeah. They are just like just saying some lines. Yeah. Um, it's not well made. No. Because the film, I mean, like, okay, it's low, it's a lower budget movie, but it's a movie from 2004. 2004, you could do a halfway decent movie, um, with, with $16 million. Yeah. This movie has a budget of $16 million. $16 million, there, there's no excuse for that. I don't know where they spent it. I have absolutely no clue where they spent it, uh, unless they spent it on getting Little John for the cameo that he makes. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't see it. it. It was, first of all, I mean, everybody is on autopilot in this movie. From the, from the beginning, the best part of the movie... And it, it just feels weird is that this is the MGM film. It feels weird to see the MGM lion roar at the beginning of this film because it's like it, MGM. Is this what you have come to? Yeah. The yeah. movie, the movie theater, the movie company that gave us uh, the Wizard of Oz <laughs> and other stuff is giving us <laughs> yes. soul plane. <laughs> this, this is what has come to. Then you've got uh the music is Snoop uh, apparently while brushing his teeth doing this this stupid Soul Train track that, believe it or not, was composed by the RZA. And I swear to God, I, 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 I'm telling you, this is not the RZA's music. I, I think the that you did this much research. I think the RZA let his grandmother go into the mm-hmm. studio and said, "Here, Grandma, what do you like?" Right, and and boom, that became the track. Right, the because this was a warmed over dog food. What the music was, yeah. And then you go into you go into the movie Method Man, who if you have, I mean, it, it's a shame. It's a shame. I know it's crazy. This is not Method Man's first acting role. Mm-hmm. By the time he he does Soul Plane, he was already on The Wire. Yes. Yes, he was already yes. on wire. He was already on Oz, so you already knew that he had some reasonable chops. I mean, hell, had he made the movies with Red Man yet? Had he made? He may have made How High. Right. 
But go, go ahead. So, I mean, so you can tell he's basically just sleepwalking, just cashing a check. Snoop's cashing a check, but Snoop ain't never met a, a check that he won't cash. Mm. Um, Monique, you know, the whole time I'm watching this movie is I'm, I'm looking at Monique and I'm saying, oh, yeah, this is like two years after How High. Right. I'm looking at Monique and I'm saying, and you wonder why Netflix didn't give you your money. Oh, that's not fair to judge her by this. Why? She's not funny. But nobody is. Okay. Nobody is funny in this, right? But if you are a comedian, you should be able to get over a line. She can't get over a line. I am not the world's biggest Monique fan, but I am not going to say that this is part of the reason that Monique's career has been her career. This piece of shit right here. I'm sorry, were you finished? For the most part. I mean, there's nothing else to save in this movie. It's, I mean, this, Jesus. the thing is, I went into, I, I swear to God, Vince, I went into this with a with a open eye. Had you seen it before? I had never seen it. Yeah. Because it looked dumb. Yeah. So I wanted to this like this is one of the movies that why I wanted to do the movie. Right, sure, sure, sure. You know, give this movie a, give it a chance. <sighs> you, I wanted to give it a chance. And I think that's fair. Because you know, I think we talk about these flops. And and it's like like, did you ever see Heaven's Gate? Like we're old yes, enough to remember yes, the Heaven's, Heaven's Gate. Gate. Yes. And Heaven's Gate is not a bad movie. It's not. I will go to my grave saying that Waterworld is legitimately a good science fiction film. Yeah, you've lost me there. I've talked about my fondness for the Wild Wild West. The Will Smith. The Will Smith remake. Mm -hmm. This, I don't even know where, I don't even know where to start with this thing. I will say this for the first time in over 100 episodes. I actually closed my note. Like I didn't even take notes. <laughs> I didn't even take notes with this. This is it. It is. It is. It is beyond lowest common denominator. What they go for with this thing? It's a very racist movie. It is racist. It is sexist. Mm-hmm. It is homophobic. Mm-hmm. It is. It. It. It is. It is. It's like I was saying. It's not even like this film is a racist idea of how black people are. This film is like what my idea of a racist. That racist idea, that imaginary racist idea. Like, this is like the racist in Dave Chappelle's Clayton Bigsby sketch. <laughs> if they put together this film, yeah. It is, it, it is, it is every stereotype, every, every piece of low-hanging fruit. You know, there's there's body fluid humor, there's 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 this and I think what I came away with, if I were going to take notes, I feel like Bozinga, who wrote it, mm-hmm. who produced it, has utter contempt for black people and for the audience of this thing. It is, it is you, you know, we talked about Airplane. 
And this is like someone, and I read that where, you know, he said, oh, well, it's a parody of Airplane. It's a parody of Airplane by someone who apparently never actually saw Airplane. Like, never actually watched Airplane. There's no story. Like you said, the acting, everybody's in autopilot. I think Snoop Dogg, like, just as a personality, maybe the top five most sheer charismatic figures to emerge from popular culture in the past 20 years. Like just sheer charisma. Like you understand how this man whose very first song was about murdering police Mm -hmm. became America's darling. Yeah. Host of Joker's Wild. Game shows. Show with Martha Stewart. Mm. He's got a commercial on the radio now where he's selling hair growth products. Mm. Gospel song. Everybody loves Snoop. Like, you couldn't manage to make Snoop Dogg a figure that you can, you you know, you just can't take your eyes off of Snoop. Unless you watch him in Soul Plane. (laughs) I said the thing about Monique. Because you you know I think Monique is is a seasoned comedian. I think Dio Hughley seasoned comedian. Yeah, John Witherspoon is in here seasoned comedian, and all three of them just sort of like you talk about. You know, there's a smirk if you kind of like, and I would submit that the smirk is that you see from the that you get maybe slightly from the Dio Hughley parts is because the rest of it is so unwatchable it is and it is just a dirge to get through and it is it is again the contempt of it is no one is even trying like i'm not i don't really do like i don't really like 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 you know a i don't like black versions of things because black versions of things really always come down comes down to look at these stupid ghetto negroes like we do regular things but if black people did it, it'd have more, you, you know, cabbage patching and in, 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 in rims. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this isn't even smart enough to give it a bit of an edge. Like, like I think about a movie that I'm also not a big fan of, but I think that there is a respect enough for the material that it's mocking that the makers have knowledge of it. Like, don't be a menace to South Central. Okay. Which, you know, I'm not the biggest, like, I don't really, like, I'm not the biggest fan of of the younger Wayans brothers, Sean and Marlon. And don't be a menace, I don't think, is that smart. Right. But there are parts of it where you can tell that Keenan and, and the younger Wayans brothers, like, they know the material they're talking about. And to a certain extent, there's some affection there for it. Yeah, like I'm mocking it, but I'm mocking it because I know about this and the other. And this is just. This is the worst film that we've reviewed. Well, the difference is, is that in Don't Be a Menace, they're mocking again, serious films. They're mocking Boys in the Hood, Menace to Society and all of those gangster films of that of that time. Right. This is mocking a comedy and Bozinga I don't know what necessarily whether or not he I'd say he has contempt for you know black people or anything like that but what I think he does is that he's a guy that looks at a movie like Airplane 
and sees airplane and sees that it's white people making stupid jokes you, in his head. I think you're giving him way too much credit. Well, well taking me. him at his word and saying that he actually based this on airplane. Well, I don't I don't mean well, I don't think he necessarily based it on airplane, but I think he watched something like airplane, see white people doing stupid things and said, "Oh, I can make a a movie with black people doing stupid things." Why? Because to him that's funny. Right? I don't think he has a true comedic bone in his head. So he then does a movie that is just black people being stupid. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he isn't a um a a a a, a product of the time. I'm not sure about uh, about the man's age. If he isn't a product of the time in American comedy that was post the height of Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. all the way up until the let's say the anointing of Chris Rock where there were a whole bunch of people you know who tried to be Eddie Murphy but weren't smart enough and right. just, just did that saw the sex homophobia and right. cursing and just fill their comedy acts with that. Mm-hmm. And that's what they, you're talking about the deaf comedy in. jam generation, basically to a degree. It was a yeah. deaf comedy jam generation. I think, yeah, yeah, because a lot of Def Comedy Jam was like that. Also, a lot of that was what was that that stupid BET show that was on at around that time. I used to call it cut rate Def Comedy Jam. <laughs> there you go, three dollar co- comedy jam. Comic View. Co- yeah, it was comic. Right, view. right. It, Same of the, thing of that time. Yeah, and it, it, I see a lot of that humor, which is just real, just quick, just go for the go for the obvious, go for the dumb, go for the, go for the the salacious in their minds. Salacious. Right, right. Because you only have like three or four minutes on stage in front right. of what is is essentially a hostile audience. Exactly. So you gotta, you know. And I think that I think that that's what he's doing. He did in this film. I don't think there was a whole lot of intelligence behind it at all. No, I'm right. So I'm not saying that, but I don't think that there was necessarily a contempt. I think there was more of him just doing what he knew, what he knew. And he just don't know no better. I think just to meet you halfway, I think that you are right. He was going for these sensibilities. What I, what I don't believe is that he actually sat down and watch their with like a legal pad and watch Comic View and watch Deaf Comedy Jam. Oh, I don't think he watched like like I think he watched maybe ten minutes mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I was thinking, like his fourteen year old son listens to hip hop and he heard like three songs, mm-hmm. and then he said, "Well, hell, I can do this." Like, there's nothing about this that that makes me believe that he studied it. And that's where I get the contempt from. Like, I don't think he had enough respect even for this material that he was, that he did enough research to try and mimic this material. Okay. Because it's so superficial. Yeah, it is. Like, it's so just sort of, again, I saw a clip on 2020 
about this deaf comedy jam stuff or I was flipping the channels and Shucky Ducky was jumping up and down and talking about how big his dick was and then everybody jumped up and down in the crowd and then I turned the channel to you know a game was on and then I said well hell I can do that because it, it there's, there's there's nothing here no it's not no, so it's not. It's, not. It's, it's just um, it really is just a you know, Soul Plane is a soulless movie. Yeah, like you know, because you're expecting, like you say, when when um, Snoop comes in for there to be like you know a little bit of energy. At least it's Snoop, right? Yeah, but it's it's nothing. It's nothing. There. It's absolutely nothing there. And um, there's one, but there's one scene that really. Um, it just really, it really hurt me that that, that they went there, um, and that's when you know someone gets on the plane and you don't see who it is, yeah. but everybody is terrified of this yeah. person. Yeah, and this person goes finally to their seat, uh, the, and once they get to their seat, you, you the camera turns and you see that this person is an Arab man. Yeah. Yeah, just, just like like, it's just low. Yeah, like it's just low, and and you know they they say, you you know tragedy plus time equals comedy. This you know this is this comes out less than three years after nine eleven, and like not to be that guy, but if you're going to comment on that, like at least actually do something with it. Yeah, because it's just it's it's that, and then there's and then else. that's it, and then you you know it's it's just this sort of throwaway joke, but that's the whole thing. Like you know, it's this whole thing about you know a joke about the cockpit, mm-hmm. and one of the pilots' last name is Gaiman. Yeah, and you all can pretty much fill in the blanks, right? With with this joke. Oh yeah. You know, it's all of you, you know. It's it's is John Witherspoon, and he's blonde, which means he has to feel around a lot. You know, because it's a when he's feeling on the stewardesses, you know, it's a black airline. So, of course, they all eat Popeye's fried chicken. Like, it's just like because I don't think I've ever seen it. Like, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never actually watched it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even believe this was an actual thing. Like, I could not believe this was actually soul plane yeah. when I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Have I mentioned? I think I've mentioned this before. I'm tired of John Witherspoon. You, t- I mean, you're tired of him now, like it, like just in well, general. No, well, I've been tired. You've been tired of. I've him. been tired of John Witherspoon. I mean, I, like, I, I can see his, that his act. Yeah, that shtick. Yeah, it, it is just not funny. Yeah, to me, the funny here's here's the funny thing. In a lot of ways, I feel like Boomerang ruined. John Witherspoon Mm -hmm. because you know I think he's 170 years old like you see him all throughout the 70s on stuff like I think like he was one of the players I believe on the Richard Pryor show oh was he yeah and he's pretty like I mean he's pretty funny like he has this kind of Paul Mooney cadence to him throughout the 70s and then you know he gets the boomerang and and, then I mean this is the money cow and and he kind of just turns into Mr. Bang 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 yeah which I don't believe he even said bang bang bang. 
Like you're talking about somebody on autopilot. Like you can't even get John Witherspoon to John Witherspoon. Yeah. On here. I think I only like John Witherspoon on the boondocks. Right, right. I mean, you know. I don't like him any place else. I think a little John Witherspoon goes a long oh, way. Man. Yeah. But it is it is it is amazing that Kevin Hart clawed his way back from this. Like I have more respect for Kevin Hart after watching this than I ever did. And the turnaround that he made in this Right, right. The yeah. just the work ethic that this brother had to get to where he is now. Yeah. Is is remarkable. It is. It very it, it very much is. And it also puts his work into a certain perspective. Cause I, I you know, I always like I am fond of Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Like I'm almost Kevin Hart agnostic. <laughs> but part of it is I think he makes easy choices. Oh yeah. Like like I I, I think I want him to stretch more yeah. than he does. But Considering this is where he starts, you know. He's done pretty good. Yeah, dude is damn near making Ganja and Hess. Like, you start with Soul Plane, then, um, you know, the Kevin Hart movie, like them Kevin Hart rock movies right. are like Ganja and Hess. Yeah, you've earned them. Yeah, so. You've earned them. Yeah, it's it's a tough movie. This 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 is a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. We're going on. We went on about Monique, but you also talked about how it's sexist. There's like there's, every woman in here is in this movie is obsessed. Is is either objectified, yes, or is only thinking about yeah sex. And and you know they kind of set up this this paper thin love story between Kevin Hart and his old girlfriend from high school, mm-hmm. and she's just a plot device. Yeah, you know, so you can't even give her no character. I mean, you know, but in the film's defense, I mean, no one's a character. Like, there's no arc for anyone in this film. Not one bit. You know, it's like, and then it doesn't even have the the bravery to go there with stuff. Like, like you know, characters are supposedly going to die, and then they don't die. Some yeah. characters are saying that they, you know, have these sexual appetites, and they don't actually, like, it, it's like, you almost don't have the bravery to follow through with the joke. Yeah. If you're going to put it in there, let's, let's, right. let's go there. So. It's a bad film, ladies and gentlemen. And those of you that watched it on RB, you know, on the mission, we apologize. It's, well, no, no. Because I think this is a piece of black film history. I think, you you know, I I really do. Like I said it at the beginning, I don't know if there is any other black film that has been universally reviled as much as Soul Plane. Okay, so that's an interesting question, and it gets us on to hopefully uh, end on a better note. I'm trying to think of another movie that has been as reviled as Soul Plane. I mean, it's a punchline. It is, I mean, you could argue, like, arguably, you could say Pootie Tang. Yeah, but people like Pootie But as we talked about, yeah. when we talked about Pootie Tang, yeah. Pootie Tang has this real undercurrent of yeah. fans. It does. That I include myself in. And Pootie Tang, you, you can't say that Pootie Tang doesn't have the courage to play the joke out. Right. They play it to the end. Right. And, you, you know, know my, I argue that Pootie Tang is the other end of the spectrum. Like, in a lot of ways, Pootie Tang was too smart for the room. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was so busy trying to be smart, mm-hmm. it left the audience. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, spoiler in, in the Mother May I month, we we will be doing a Medea film this month. I don't. I I will take Medea over Soul Plane every day and twice on Sunday. I mean, at least you have that weird psychological Tyler Perry fever dream subtext to all of the Medea films. I might, yeah. See, I'm trying to think because the the first Medea movie I ever saw was um, Diary of a Bat- Mad Black Woman. Yeah, and that movie really bothered me. It is, but it no, it bothered you though. Like you didn't it say did it something. was bad. Yeah. It bothered, and that's well, what I mean. Like there's, like it's a whole. Like I don't know if Tyler Perry has a therapist, but a therapist can make can put their grandchildren through college. Yeah, on Tyler Perry movies. with yeah. that rat's nest. That is his psyche. You can't even watch this and look at it that way. No, you can't, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of it. I can't think of a black movie that is more reviled than um, Soul Plane, and it should be. Like this is a good True North in 2014. Empire Magazine in a. in a voting of their all of the readers of Empire Magazine, not a black magazine, a sure. movie magazine, in an article where they list the fifty worst movies ever, Soul Plane ranked at number forty-seven. Yeah, but see, I think a lot as that white people haven't actually seen Soul Plane. Like, I think Soul so Plane more is... more people watched right. it, it would have been number one. Right, I think Soul Plane is actually a black phenomenon. Like, this is very much a black film. You know, they actually say that. It actually says that um, this was billed as an urban take on Airplane. That's a bad idea to begin with. If more voters had seen it, this would be in the top yeah. ten. Yeah, because I think a lot of people talked about Soul Plane, but I wonder how many people have actually watched Soul Plane from beginning to end. Not a lot of people. Like I said, I realize I've seen clips. Just, you know, kind of morbid curiosity. Right. Yeah, but like uh, like we mentioned, and though. It's got the nerve to be almost like an hour and a half. and The movie does have its fans, though, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Don Keel said that I didn't think that the movie was that bad. Oh, Don. Don, who hurt you? <laughs> Don, Don said Don said he didn't think it was that bad. Phil Wasuba said, from what I remember, it wasn't good. However, in the right hands, it could have been the black version of Red Dwarf. Oh, I'm sorry. They're talking about homeboys in outer space. <laughs> Which was not as bad as people said. You know the biggest problem with homeboys from outer space? The title. No. That's not the biggest problem. No, that was the biggest problem. I mean, it had no, a, no, no. It had other problems. No, that's not the biggest problem. What was the biggest problem? The biggest problem with Homeboys from Outer Space is the casting. Who was the other? Because I know it was um, Ron from a different world. And then it was uh, Flex, the the comedian Flex. Oh, I don't think that's bad casting. Yes, what? it is. Who, you, who don't you like? Neither of them. Oh, I don't think they're Ron, bad. Ron is strictly a second banana. But yeah. he needs a strong lead. Flex is not a strong lead, and it was uh, it, it was 
it was horrible. I actually didn't mind. Flex. Watch it again. When's the last time you seen that show? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. let's let's be very clear. I said I don't mind Flex. Flex has grown. I've not seen Homeboys in Outer Space probably since the second episode. To his, you made it that far. Yeah. To his credit, Flex has grown as an actor. Yeah. I, I saw him maybe a few years ago on something, and he actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. But I always thought he was. I thought he had. I thought he was charming. Because he has a charisma. Yeah, I always thought you know, Flex a had nice a lot look, of charisma. And he's got a yeah. charisma to him. So he has grown as an actor. But back then, when he was riding on the flex of it all, right? No, it was horrible. Yeah, it was a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. and probably while this may be the most reviled black movie, Homeboys in Out- in Outer Space is close to being one of the most reviled black TV shows. I don't know the Secret Life of. Desmond Pfeiffer might be up there as well. That didn't last long. Is that the one with Chief McBride? Yeah, I mean, Homeboys from Outer Space didn't last long either. I think they both lasted about the same amount of time. I think The Secret Life had a little bit more wit to it than Homeboys in Outer Space. Yeah, I don't know. People hated that real wit. And then Chief McBride got to talking slick, and oof, that was a bad moment. He's another. I'm glad he bounced back from that because I like Chief McBride. He did. Yeah, I, I do like Shemar Bride. All right. But I didn't like this movie. Did not like this movie at all. Did not like uh, Soul Plane. Soul Plane. I don't know if we went in on it, but, you know, like you were looking for Dan Dinkins, but uh, suffice to say, we didn't like it. This, this was terrible. Yeah. Everyone involved in Soul Plane should be ashamed of themselves. Kevin Hart said that on the streets, this movie made $40 million. You know, yeah, I like saw that because he said the bootleg. Hit. You know what? I don't believe him. Well, I don't believe it made that much money, of course, but I wouldn't be surprised. If, I'm telling you, this is a type of movie because it is low hanging fruit. You can basically look at the screen, see the jokes coming. This is a type of movie you throw on at a barbershop, everybody's cracking the hell up. <sighs> Maybe not your barbershop. No, no, no. I think you might be right. It's part of the reason I hate everyone. <laughs> I have so much rage inside of me. Yeah, mind you, nobody's taking it home, but we'll watch it with the boys here at your house. <laughs> you know the part in the spe- let's just go back to the beginning of the show, like when 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 Bruce Banner says in the first Avengers, "My secret is that I'm angry all the time." I, I may have stood up in my seat and pointed at him like he was a preacher telling the truth. <laughs> I said, speak it. Speak it. Yeah. See, ladies and gentlemen. And Soul Plane didn't help. You, you, what you people don't realize, even those who've watched this on Facebook Live the couple of times we've done it, you know, you just see me and Vince sitting in, sitting in the seats. <laughs> if we panned the camera upward you would see the uh shield power dampers that we have (laughs) on the ceiling keeping the uh the hulk vents at bay so angry (laughs) all the time (laughs) about everything Oh Lord! Uh, and Soul Plane did not help. Did not help. <laughs> did not help. But um, suffice to say, go check it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think people should see it. 
You know, like I kind of think it's, it's you know again just to go back to like we were talking there like 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 I feel like people should see Heaven's Gate, mm-hmm. like you should see Waterworld. You should see like Hudson Hawk. Remember everybody talk crazy about Hudson Ooh, Hawk? Hudson Hawk is a bad movie. That's Bruce Willis. It's not as bad as people say though. Eh, I don't know. Like the biggest compliment I can give a lot of these movies, oh that wasn't as bad as people say it was. Mm-hmm. Waterworld, they should have made it in a big tank. Like like they did like the Abyss. Because mm-hmm. remember the Waterworld thing was the budget. Right. went crazy because yeah. they were filming on on in the actual ocean mm-hmm. and the seawater it was messing up the cameras and kevin costner was horribly miscast yes but it's a great story okay and i think the I world building oh i think Waterworld is it you should you should watch Waterworld. i've watched it yeah i think Waterworld I holds get through up it. yeah i can't get through it so but but this this, 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 I, I, I did. I felt insulted by this. <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, the, the, we should have known, you know, what we're, what we were getting into, ladies and gentlemen, because this is the movie that uh, Amazon's Brown Sugar Channel forgot. <laughs> I can't believe that you actually have to rent this oh, thing you, from oh, Amazon. Oh, oh, you know, I wasn't happy about that. I was like, you mean you know I this ain't happy. sweet enough for brown sugar? Oh, you know I wasn't happy about renting this earlier today. Brown sugar got Doctor Mister Doctor Black and Mister oh, Hyde. The things but I it do, don't have the things I do for the mission. You know I boy, you know I was not happy about that. Vince said no. <sighs> I had to sit on the floor and play blocks with my son for a little while just to kind of get me back. In my right head space. Yeah. Woo! I was like, whoa, are you serious? Oh, boy. Oh, well. All right. Um, before we reveal what we're going to review uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, yes. we invite you all to give us all of your feedback. Write us at Mission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mission, And also join the Facebook group, Mission. Um, and follow us as well on Podglomerate, the Podglomerate Podcast Network featuring cool podcasts such as The Feast, giving you a history lesson on food. Because what is food anyway but history on a plate? So dig in. Vince. Yes. You will be choosing what we will be watching next. Yes, yes. I feel... It, it, you kind of put me in a weird place because when we said old films that people said were bad and this, that, and the other, I thought we'd be sort of on the same level. But when you start with Soul Plane, no matter what I choose, it's going to seem like a come up. You know, like like we're going to do Moonlight again. <laughs> but I had already decided what I wanted to see, and I wanted, I'm going to keep an airline, an airplane theme going okay oh i'm curious and before i tell you that i do have to ask you a question because i have a piece of advice to give you okay lynn do you play roulette i do well let me give you a piece of advice when you are playing roulette always bet on black
Next week on the Michelle Mission, Wesley Snipes. In the Kevin Hooks directed film, Passenger 57. This will be an interesting show. <laughs> this will be an interesting show. I haven't seen Passenger 57 since I saw Passenger 57. I like that movie. Oh, this will be interesting. I remember enjoying that film. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So I've got to watch it again. Okay. This will be interesting. It's a very 90s movie. Okay. It's, sure. It's, sure. It's very, like, I can't really do Lethal Weapon 2, but I can do Passenger You can do Passenger 57. 57. You can make that happen. I can make that happen. All right. We can also make a truncated version of this show happen to you, ladies, happen for you, ladies and gentlemen, every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPMLP 106.5 FM here in Philadelphia and Camden, People Power Media, Philly Cam, and also streaming on phillycam.org slash listen. Okay, dope. We got to get out of here. That man is Vince. I'm your homeboy, Len. And in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.